And here we go. That's right. You're back in Redsline for another depressing game recap. Brought to you by the David Bell Rookie Manager Express. If you need bad lineups and you don't want to win and you want swept three times in the month of April, please call us at David Bell, 555-1212. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I told David Bell I was revoking his lineup-making privileges if he hit Joey Votto leadoff again. And he let off Joey Votto again. Now, I don't want to go into this entire thing about why Joey Votto needs to be hitting third. Go listen to yesterday's game recap. I explain it there. I'm not going to waste my time. But I will say this again. David Bell, if you think that hitting Joey Votto is going to ignite this lineup leadoff, if you think hitting Joey Votto leadoff is going to ignite this lineup. You do not know what you're doing. Now, I know that your psychology behind it says we need a guy with a high on-base percentage hitting leadoff. Okay. But there's more to lineup efficiency than OBP, especially when that's probably one of the best hitter or if not the greatest hitter on the team. He needs to hit third. He doesn't need to hit second like Mike Trout or Paul Goldsmith. We discussed it yesterday. So David Bell, stop hitting Joey Votto leadoff. It's insane. Now let's get into this game, ladies and gentlemen. And if you think I don't sound thrilled, it's because, yeah, I am mentally beat up over this. I don't understand why these guys think just throwing a square peg through a round hole and having like 72 different strongmen try and push this thing through is going to work. It makes no sense. No other team would do it. No other manager would do it. It makes absolutely no sense. By the way, you got beat on your shift again today with Alex Vertigo again. I'm not going to keep making fun of you about that, but go back and listen to yesterday's recap. I explained it, how to do it, and what not to do, and how your four-man outfield rotation shift is I'm just not going to talk about it because I'll get too angry. I might blow a vessel in my brain next to my skull. Okay, so let's talk about this game. Sonny Gray was pitching great. Five innings. I don't even think he had one hit through five innings. The guy was just on top of it. Ended up with nine strikeouts. Ended up striking. He had basically uh, seven strikeouts through five in the six, which kind of blew up on him because Freddie Benavides had him walk Cody Bellinger. Freddie Benavides! I understand he bats left-handed, but this is Sonny Gray. He can go in there and he can go throw some pitches to Bellinger. You don't have to walk him to face Pollock. I understand the science and the strategy behind it, man. I understand because... A.J. Pollock bats right-handed and Bellinger bats left-handed and Bellinger, his OPS is like 1,400 plus. I get it. 
But Sonny Gray didn't need an extra runner on base. I understand that A.J. Pollock isn't the world beater this year that he normally is either. But man, A.J., not A.J., Sonny Gray was cruising. Now, I will talk about a little bit more. Sonny Gray threw a four-pitch walk to, I think it was, was it, uh, who did he four-pitch walk to? It was the eighth hitter. It was their catcher, and then it was the pitcher, Walker Bueller, that he ended up striking out, and that guy, Austin Barnes. Austin Barnes was the number eight hitter. He's the catcher. A four-pitch walk, and I'll tell you what, that was where I was seeing that. And you know what else? I I know I'm all over the place, but I'm just a little bit discombobulated because David Bell's craziness, especially with these lineups the last two days. Forget the last two days. He hasn't stuck with a lineup all season. Anyways, back to this sixth inning. Sonny Gray throws four pitches low and away to Austin Barnes, and it was like he had lost his command. In fact, he even took a breather to walk around the mound a little bit to get his head right. But all they were going to try and do was bunt him over, and they end up getting him a third because I'll tell you what, Kirk Casale, that throw down to second was one of the worst throws I've ever seen in my life. And uh, I guess you got to give Jose Iglesias some major defensive props for filling that ball somehow, some way on that hop while he was falling down. But anyway, to make a long story short, this is a 0-0 game. Sonny Gray loses all kinds of command. Four-pitch walk. I don't know that I would have pulled him there because he just pitched through five innings. I think he was at 67 pitches. He wasn't that bad. He was at 66 pitches. That's right. And I thought he could make it through. So I'm not going to say he had to pull Sonny Gray because he was in command. He just lost. Well, he wasn't in command on Austin Barnes. But he lost uh, command those four pitches low and away. And then that's where you really got to just throw some balls, man. Pitch to contact. Don't walk Austin Barnes because you know the pitcher's going to try and bunt him over. Now, you did strike out Bueller, and you did come back out, and you struck out the next hitter, too. And then you walk Bellinger to get to Pollock. And then he hits a three-run jack. Now, it's not the end of the world, man. Because it's only three earned runs through six innings. That's still a quality start, which the old-timers would laugh at. And I'm not talking about old-timers like Walter Johnson. I'm talking guys like Oral Hershiser would probably laugh at you and go, ha-ha, quality start, three earned runs in six innings. That doesn't even do anything. That makes you a number five starter. Anyway, so I have to say that the strategy to walk Bellinger was probably bad. Or I'll tell you what. Since you guys think you're so smart on using these left-handers, that might have been a point to bring in a left-handed hitter to face Bellinger instead of walking him. No, I it it just doesn't make any sense. You like it just seems like every chess move you make, you're bad. And I'm telling you what, I can't even hang it on David Bell because he got thrown out earlier for arguing balls and strikes on a really low pitch. I watched this game. It was a Kirk Sally at bat, and it was Walker Bueller, and that 97-mile-an-hour fastball was 
well below the quadrants on the plate, well below the strike zone. And uh, that guy, he's a new umpire. I can't remember his last name. He's 36 years old. Heck, he's younger than David Bell. <laughs> uh, almost the same age as Joey Votto. And even Joey Votto questioned the strike zone a little later in the game. So David Bell gets thrown out. David Bell runs out there. He's all up in that umpire's face. Freddie Benavides, who I want to talk about this. I can't blame everything on David Bell besides these stupid lineups because Freddie Benavides is, I believe, helping him make these decisions, but it doesn't make any sense because one day you're pulling out a loogie to face a left hand, and the next day you're not doing it. Now, now I will say there's going to be a really strange good things today because I was really proud of the way they used the pitching staff today. Guess what? They only used three pitchers. It was amazing. Sonny Grace threw six, allowed three earned runs, only two hits, two walks. Intentional walk was part of that three-run home run. And he struck out nine batters. Then they went to David Hernandez, and I think it was what Amir Garrett. So they got through one game using three pitchers, which was kind of impressive. I haven't seen that since the Luis Castillo dominating start a week ago or so. Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, the offense was little to not there. Uh, Puig uh, got a single, got all the way to third. Suarez grounded out to score him. That put the Reds on the board in the seventh or eighth. And then in the top of the ninth, uh, Puig got on on an error. Uh, Kiki Hernandez just flubbered a ball. And uh, Puig was able to get around. And I think Matt Kemp was the one that did a fly out to score him because he got to third base. He stole second for his second steal of the year. So he's got two home runs, two steals. I'm hoping he's going to be 30-30 this year. It's going to be awesome. Uh, Matt Kemp. And you know what's really funny? If you go back to yesterday and today, man, if it really wasn't for uh, the Dodgers, the Reds wouldn't have any runs. And I'm not talking about the L.A. Dodgers on the other side of the uh, diamond. I'm talking about the former Dodgers, uh, Kemp and Puig. Because if it wasn't for these guys, shoot, man, you would you'd still wouldn't have had a, any runs scored the last two games. So anyway, it's 3-2. to two. Suarez had an opportunity to tie it. I think he popped up or lined out or whatever, but uh, it doesn't make a difference because the entire game was a lackluster performance. Walker Buehler came in with an 8-plus ERA, I think 8.25 or something, 8.18. And he's a great pitcher, I'm not going to lie. And I like Walker Buehler. I wish he was on the Reds. I wish they would have traded for him somehow, some way. Of course, the Dodgers weren't ever going to trade him last year or the year before anyway. But to get back on this whole deal, the guy was struggling. And I told you yesterday what Rick Honeycutt was going to say. He was like, oh, you got this is a good chance for you to get straightened out against the Reds. They can't hit. They can't score. And that's what happened today. Walker Buehler was pretty dominant. I'm not going to lie. Uh it was uh, Joey Votto, I think, walked to lead off the game. And that's the problem. Sure, Joey Votto got on base, but he's slow as molasses. And I'm not talking bad about Votto. He's my favorite player. But that's why you don't have him leading off. Gosh darn it. If he lead, if he's batting third and gets a walk, you got the four, five, six hitters. They're the big thumpers. Now, I know that you had... Uh, 
Puig second, Winker third, and Kemp fourth, and oh man, you set Suarez today. He was that. Remember yesterday when I was talking about? I don't know who he's gonna sit. He set he set Suarez today. Suarez came in as a pinch hitter later on for Dietrich. Um, back to uh, Walker Bueller, six and a third innings, three hits, no earned runs because it was off the error. Uh, one walk. And eight strikeouts, lowered his ERA from like eight and a quarter to 6.4. Just facing the Reds, didn't allow an earned run. And that's the problem. I I thought Turner Ward was really going to have a heyday with this Reds offense. But these guys aren't even, I mean, I know they're trying because I don't want to say they're not trying. But, man, they're just not really putting a lot of effort into these at-bats. And uh, Walker Buehler was almost not as efficient. As he could have been, he was at 92 pitches. Kind of got away from him in the uh, seventh. Um, yeah, the seventh was when they scored that first one, when Puig scored the first run. And, in fact, Puig scored both runs of this game for the Reds. So, anyway, let's talk about the good things. I'm going to put number one on the list, Yasiel Puig. His hustle's been amazing. I watched him yesterday not get hits, and he got really frustrated because he wants to do so good. I really love that about Puig. He brings in energy like Derek Dietrichs does to the clubhouse and the lineup. Puig was one for four today. Hustled uh, down the line, or else he wouldn't have got on to score that uh, second run of the game for the Reds in the top of the ninth. He scored two runs. He was the, basically the Reds' offense. Uh, Matt Kemp got him in, and uh, Suarez got him in. So those guys got RBIs. So yes, we up with You're number one on the good things. Number two on the good things. I want to congratulate, I guess I'm going to do it to Freddie Benavides. Of course, I think you really messed up this game the way you had him, had Sonny Gray. You know, Sonny Gray's a hell of a good pitcher. You don't need to walk anybody. That's... That's like if you don't have confidence in your pitcher, that's when you uh, walk the guy to get to the next guy. Now, I understand the strategy beside it. I understand the strategy side of it. I totally understand it about the matchups. But you guys are married to these matchups. Like, you got to go home to them at 530, 630 every day. So, Sonny Gray doesn't need to walk anybody to get to the next hitter. He's an ace. He was rolling. And I think he actually got himself straightened out. And I think that was a get-me-over fastball that Sonny, that A.J. Pollock took deep. But I'm just telling you, I would have probably had a – I would have either, A, brought in your loogie, Garrett, who's not a loogie actually, to face Bellinger to neutralize that if you're worried about that runner on base, or I'd have let Sonny Gray pitch to him. I don't understand. It's just it's just really annoying. Anyway, let's get to the third. Uh, the second good thing is you were efficient with your pitchers. You went from Gray to Hernandez to Garrett, and that's the way you got to do it the rest of the season, man, unless you are in a situation where you need to use a loogie or Jared used to get a ground ball. And then I don't mind you stretching this to four pitchers a game. It makes a little bit more sense if you do it the right way. Okay, so is there any other thing I can say about the third good thing? I don't even think we have a third good thing. It's 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 almost getting to be a joke. 
I guess I'll give the credit to uh, Garrett. I'll give the third good thing, which will tie to the second good thing. Uh, Hernandez and Garrett came in innings, kept them clean, uh, struck out uh, batter each. Now, uh, um, Hernandez did give up a hit, but uh, it wasn't that super horrible. Anyways, to make a long story short, uh, you got to quit that shift. Uh, let's get to the bad things since we're talking about shifts. You got to quit these shifts. Like, you don't have to shift on every player that's left handed batter. It's almost annoying. Thank God you weren't doing the four man outfield thing so much today, but you, you, did a, you did a strange thing where you had your second baseman out there in mid right field. You, you're overplaying the game. It's 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 almost like a kid. See, this is the first year of analytics. And remember I said that Tucker Barnhart in an earlier res line said it was like flipping a page in a book or whatever. This is like a kid who gets a toy who doesn't know how to use it, doesn't read their directions with these new analytics they're using. I mean, you got to know how to impose them. Now, I would never put the shift on Alex Vertigo. I might put the shift on Max Muncy. I'll give you that. I dang sure wouldn't use it against Corey Seager. I don't think you guys even know what you're doing on this. The more I think about it, because it's got to be a dead red pull left-handed hitter for this. I'm talking like the Ryan Howards of the world, not Corey Seager, who's a gifted hitter. Uh, I'm not talking uh, Alex Vertigo's a young hitter. Like, like... Like, this is a cookie-cutter approach to analytics. So you got to fire that guy. I'm going to double down on this. you got to fire who is ever in charge of these analytics. And I really think Freddie Benavides might be the problem and really handicapping David Bell. And I don't want to get on Freddie Benavides, man. He's been around a while. But that's why you got to bring a guy like Wally Backman in to bring some sanity back to these choices. Because it didn't make any sense to have Sonny Gray intentionally walk Bellinger. Now I know he's a world beater. I'm not saying that I'm Monday morning quarterback in this. But Sonny Gray, you either got to pull him or you got to roll with him. He's your ace, man. He's, I'm telling you, he's, Castillo is an ace. But Sonny Gray, man, has Cy Young written all over him if you just work him right. And I think those three earned runs should go on Freddie Benavides. They shouldn't even, well, I'll tell you what. Wonder and run should go on you, Sonny Gray, because you walked Austin Barnes for no reason. I don't know why you're throwing that slider over there. Get a fastball, get me over the plate, man. He's not some super home run hitter. I, I would have much rather had. Anyways, I just think that Sonny Gray lost his command for a hitter. Probably should have had Casale go out there and talk to him after two or three balls in a row. To you know, calm him down to get a strike over. Like this is baseball one oh one. You guys are just you know fumbling the proverbial football. Where do we go from here? Okay, well they're going to San Diego. They just got swept for the third time in a month. That's not good. They're five and twelve. This is looking bad. And five and twelve ain't a whole lot. Far from three and fifteen or three and eighteen, so let's remember that, ladies and gentlemen, what happened last year. Now, since we've got all these new players and new starters, shipped out some players, 
got rid of Hamilton, got rid of Bailey, got rid of other people. And they've brought in, uh, got rid of Price, got rid of Riggleman, brought in a new manager. The losing's the same, right? Right, ladies and gentlemen? The losing's the same. What else is the same? Well, ownership's the same. I'm not going to hang this on Castellini. I just think he trusts the wrong people. But what else is the same as far as baseball operations? Because you really can't hang it on the owner. Now, ultimately, it's the owner's fault for letting this thing go on like it has been. But you can't blame Castellini, man. The guy's put up the money several different times over his tenure of owning this team. But what is the same from last year to this year? Got new faces everywhere, new manager, shiny new manager that we like to polish every day. Oh, yeah, the front office is the same. Now, you might notice they got a changing of name tags in the front office after that start last year where Brian Price got fired, where they um, promoted Dick Williams from GM to president of baseball operations and uh, put 15, 18-year uh, Reds man Nick Crawl in the GM position to take the heat off of Junior Williams, who I hear they call Spoon around the ballpark. So anyway, to make a long story short, what's the same? It's the Walt Jockety-Dick Williams dichotomy because Dick Williams learned under Walt Jockety. These guys are not good negotiators. They're not good at player development. And they dang sure ain't good at scouting or uh, profiling players. And I want to go back to the negotiations. Terrible at negotiations. I mean, you can just conference call me and next time you want to make a trade. Anyways, uh, so back to this. Let's do a redo. Where do we go from here? Well, you know what? Short of firing Dick Williams and hiring somebody from the Dodgers, or the Padres, or my choice, Tim Nairing, bring him back. He's with the Yankees. And Tim Nairing was here, and he was part of the uh, front office that drafted and developed all those good players back in the late, uh, the late, the last late decade. And that was where they got Cueto and drafted Frazier and Bruce and, you know, all those guys. So uh, Tim Nairing is my choice to take over for Dick Williams. He'll bring an entire new uh, scouting, uh, uh, entire new philosophy. He'll bring in some good scouts. Um, I really hate to say this. I don't think David Bell. I think David Bell's a serious problem, but I don't think you can fire him. Like I said, you gotta you gotta bring in Tim Nairing, who was with the Reds as they built a good team, and then Walt Jockey destroyed it. Um. I will blame. I will place blame on Wayne Kravisky. He promoted. He changed over Tim Nairing's job. Brought in some his own guys, and that's the ultimate reason that Nairing left. But uh, anyway, to make a long story short, they lost that good uh, international scout that went to uh, the Braves. I can't remember his name. See, I'm doing this show at the top of my head with no notes, ladies and gentlemen. So don't get on me about this stuff. And so now that guy who was the international scout went to Atlanta, and you see what the international finds they've gotten and all the great players they've accumulated in Atlanta. I'm, I'm talking about Ronald Acuna Jr. and all those guys down there. Now he's with Philadelphia, and they're really mining the uh, international uh, scene right now. Anyways, ladies and gentlemen, you got new faces everywhere on the roster, up and down it. You got a whole new, well, not a whole new coaching staff. You got a new manager, new, a lot of new coaches. But what's the same? It's Dick Williams. It's Wall Jockety. It's a uh, cronyism environment with nepotism sprinkled all over the place. 
And I think you got to bring in Tim Neary. And I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat this anymore because I love the Reds. And like I said, it's well documented that I'd love to work for them. I'd love to do whatever I could to help this team. But I'm just telling you, the proof's in the pudding. And uh, if you think I'm a liar, just go back through the history of Reds Nation number 4192. Read every one of the posts I've made since November 12th, 2013. That's the day it was on there. 11, 12, 13 is the day I started it. You can go read everything where I've documented everything about Walt Jockney trading in Carnacion for Roland when he didn't have to. Could have stuck in Carnacion and left. You're going to tell me, oh, and Carnacion couldn't play left. Well, he's brought up as a center or shortstop. Then he went to third. He could damn sure play left. You, I, you casual fans just get on my nerves. Anyways, you go back. The, even the Adam Dunn trade for nobody, Micah Owens, Wilkin Castillo, and Dallas Buck, that was a non-starter. His buddy Kevin Towers, who arrested, I think Kevin Towers passed away. I, I, I'm not sure. I, I'm, I'm really having some issues right now thinking. But Kevin Towers was Walt Jockney's buddy down there in Arizona when they did that trade. It was a buddy deal. Reds didn't get nothing back. The Ryan Hannigan getting David Holmberg trade didn't work out. The Rays and the Diamondbacks made out on that deal. The Chu trade, which everybody thought was good. You give up D.D. Gregorius. You didn't have to give up him. You could have traded for Chu straight from the uh, Cleveland Indians, you didn't need a three-way. You didn't need Kevin Towers in that deal. Oh, by the way, if you're just going to do this three-way trade, look what the uh, Diamondbacks got, D.D. Gregorius, and look what the uh, Indians got, Trevor Bauer. The Reds got one year at two, and why? That was a dang good year. You didn't need a three-way trade. They literally had to move two for payroll obligations. He was a salary dump. The Reds could have done that trade straight between Chris and Annette, whatever it is, how you ever pronounce the Cleveland Indians uh, general manager's name at that time, and I think he's still there, and Walt Jockney could have made a trade and did a salary dump shoot to the Reds. You didn't need to give up D.D. Gregorius. So let's just document this. And Carnacion, D.D. Gregorius, uh, Justin Turner, you just go throughout the entire trades, man. Uh, Yonder Alonso turned out okay. Uh... Yasmani Grandal turned out okay. Boxberger turned out okay. Look at all the talent that they've traded away, how many All-Stars they've traded away, and how many All-Stars have they acquired. Scott Rowland for half a season of All-Star? Give me a break. It, and if you even go look at the the history on it, Walt Jockety forced them to take in Carnacion. The guy was a gifted hitter. God, 22, 23, 24 years old, putting up those numbers. I don't want to go back and you guys debate me on this, but I will. But anyway, you just got to look at the losing moves that have been made over the last 11 or 12 years. And it coincides with Walt Jockety, who inherited a great young nucleus and literally disposed of it bit by bit and replaced them with washed-up ex-Cardinals. Ryan Ludwig, Skip Schumacher, Jim Edmonds, Jason Marquise. I can keep going. Edgar Renteria. It's a joke. And now, for some reason, somebody in that front office, and I think it's Dick Williams, maybe it was Jeff Grob, I don't know, man. They got a they got a fantasy about these Dodger players. Because remember how I said it the other day? It used to be that Cincinnati was St. Louis North. Remember all the Cardinals, ex-Cardinals? Now, Cincinnati is known as L.A. East, man. Cheech and Chong, East L.A., man. East L.A. In fact, that's right. I'm going to start calling 
Dick Williams' front office, East L.A. That's going to be the new nickname because it doesn't make any sense. Anyways, so uh, what can they do to improve? Well, fire Dick Williams, bring in Tim Nering as your new uh, general manager or president of baseball operations. I don't think Nick Crawl needs to go anywhere. Nick Crawl's fine. What's he supposed to do? Tell the son's owner that he's wrong? I mean, give me a break. Anyway, uh, let's go on. What else can they do? I talked about it yesterday. I'd give Craig Kimbrough the three-year, $39 million deal. Give him the fourth-year mutual option that will make it four years, $52 million if the team and him wants to do it. And I think that's a fair deal for the Reds and Kimbrough. Uh, gives you some flexibility with the bullpen. Allows you to either get rid of Duke or send down Peralta, whatever you want to do. It'll at least make it so when you have a lead, you ain't giving it up. Um, and that gives you flexibility to either trade Kimbrel uh, at the deadline next year or the year after and trade Iglesias this year at the deadline. Depends on what kind of offers you get. Now, there's a blueprint for this team to really make some good moves at this trade deadline. They just got to be proactive and not be on these banker's hours and make one trade with the Dodgers and go out on your – Media blitz that you did, Dick Williams, and you talked so much after that trade, and you were on Major League Baseball Network, and now where are you? You're nowhere to be found because of the losings here again. Well, are you going to promote yourself again, and then and then promote Nick Kroll, the president of baseball operations, and then promote somebody else to general manager? Is that what's going to happen? Because that's been your strategy and Walt Jockney's strategy for CYA, uh... Strategy Incorporated, basically. So anyway, uh, short of uh, hiring me, uh, I don't know what else I can do to help you. But I will continue this podcast, and I will continue to help out and try and straighten out these David Bellisms because uh, East L.A., you got some problems, my man. East L.A., you got some problems, man. And... Uh, I think that that's the end of this Reds line. We're going to close up shop, and uh, it's a late game tomorrow in San Diego. Oh, it's Chris Paddock versus Tanner Rourke. And that Paddock, he's a heck of a young pitcher, 23 years old. I think the Reds are going to have their hands full with him. It's just going to be another Walker Buehler situation. Of course, Paddock's never faced the Reds. They could go off on him, but he's really a, a, a good young hurler. Uh, I think Rourke, hopefully, will give him seven strong innings. Petco Park's a big park. Shouldn't have a problem with Tanner Rourke. Should go seven. Now, Tanner Rourke, don't let me down, man. You've been pitching in the fifth. you got to give this team seven innings tomorrow at Petco Park. There's no excuses. This place is big as the shopping mall in Minnesota, the shopping mall of the world or whatever. So, uh, Tanner Rourke, you got to give us seven innings tomorrow or you're going on my bad things list. Anyway. Ladies and gentlemen, Reds Nation, from the Little Apple all the way to Cincinnati, Ohio. We'll see you tomorrow.